Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Analog on Relay FM. This episode of Analog is brought to you by Squarespace, a better web starts with your website, and Studio Neat, makers of the Glyph, the Cosmonaut, and the Neat Ice Kit. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Casey Liss. Hi, Casey. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm very well. And we have uh, our first guest on Analog, uh, co-founder of Relay FM and host of Connected, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey guys, how are y'all? Very good, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me. It's always an honor to be a guest on any show, but to be the first one is uh, is a real honor. I'm glad to be here. Would you like to talk about some feelings? I uh, I've bottled them up for like a decade, and we'll let them all out today. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Can't wait. But we should probably no pressure. Do a bit of follow up. Do you want to do a bit of follow up, Casey Lewis? Yes. Let's do a little bit of follow up. Tell me, Mike. Now that we have seen. The iPhone 6 and 6 Plus announcement, now that you and I have spent something about an hour or so talking about whether or not we should get new phones, are you or are you not going to be getting an iPhone 6 or 6 Plus? I'm getting a 6 Plus, and the pre-order either starts in 45 minutes or 8 hours, so we'll see what happens there. Wait, wait, what do you mean it starts in 45 minutes? Either. Remember, I'm in a completely different country and time zone to you, so it's either going to be midnight or 8 a.m. Oh, no. It's most likely, most likely 8 a.m. because it follows, because that means it's midnight in San Francisco. But you can never be too sure about these things because I've had different Apple product uh, launches happen at different times, the pre-orders. So um, I will be checking apple.com in, in 45 minutes. Just check. So listeners, if you hear Mike get like really punchy and excited to end the episode... Now we know why. Additionally, Stephen and I have just agreed via ESPN, if you will, haha, that uh, we're going to keep Mike on the phone as long as possible. Did you say ESPN? That's a sports network. I know. Sports network. You've never heard that joke about ESP? Never mind. Anyway, all right. So uh, you're oh, getting a you're getting the big see. one. Yeah, I'm I'm going for the for the plus. Yeah. Wow. And what makes you want to go plus? So I talked about this on. Uh, my show connected. Okay, can you give us the extremely, (laughs) extremely brief summary? Of course. Uh, Battery life is a thing. Uh, It has added battery life, but I've been putting more thought into this. And no matter either of these phones, I cannot put a battery case on it because it would be too big. So I may as well go with the one that has the biggest battery available, is one point. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also just really intrigued to try out a screen of that size to have an iphone in that size to to use like the additional features like the sort of kind of ipad interface um, i want to try all that sort of stuff i'm interested in it and and i think that if developers adopt it i think it could be a really good device going forward so Fair that's enough. what i've gone for what about you casey Liss? so as everyone expected i am going to cave i'm going to wake up at three in the morning and i'm going to order an iPhone 6, 64 gig, uh, space gray, like a gentleman. I haven't decided on the color yet, but I am going to go 64 gig. And what is your current iPhone color? Uh, silver. I'm, prob- I'm probably going to go space gray. I-, I really wanted a gold 5S when I saw them, but I feel like the gold 6 plus might be too much gold. <laughs> All I can picture is your face on... Uh, what was it? Gold something from Austin Powers? Not gold finger. Gold member. Thank you. That's right. I, that's all I can think about. I'm going to show all notes. that gold. Oh, man. Now, Stephen, since you're here, even though it's not strictly speaking follow up because you've never been here before, what do you plan on doing? Uh, I will be ordering the uh, 64 gig Space Gray 6 uh, tonight. Excellent. So you and I are going to be twinsies. Yes. Uh, uh, yes, I guess so. I mean, <laughs> we already are sort of in real life, but... Naturally. Yeah. All right. Any other follow-up? Uh, I don't think so. Lots of people just had general opinions about um, our buying habits, uh, but it was kind of nothing that couldn't have been kind of just answered on Twitter. But people, in general, people agree with us and disagree with us. Let's move on. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Do you want to uh, quickly talk about something that's awesome? Yeah. Let's uh, let's start off by talking about Squarespace. 
today as our first sponsor. We love Squarespace. They are fantastic people. They are the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter the offer code FEELS at checkout. A better web starts with your website. When it comes to giving yourself a place online, there's nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all the power you need into your hands and take away the pain points like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. Squarespace is fantastic, clean, and simple, and beautiful designs really allow you to craft a home for yourself on the internet. They allow you to really make your own website your own. They allow you to put your own personality in there. They allow you to craft your own space by adding in really interesting uh, integrations. So let's say, for example, you want your tweets um, and your Instagram photos to show up on your Squarespace website. It's very easy to do that. You just plug in your account information and you can drag and drop the content blocks in, format them the way that you want, and and you're done. That's it. And they'll be there. You don't need to worry about code or anything like that. It's very, very simple. It's all drag and drop. They allow you to change the colors and the fonts and all that sort of stuff really, really easily. All of this is very, very built into their very, very powerful page building tools um, and their design tools that you can access all within the browser. So you can see exactly as you're updating things, you're doing all within the web browser. So as you're ready, you can publish it out to the the world. It's going to look exactly like how you've built. If you sign up for a year with Squarespace, we're also going to get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. And Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. They have 24-7 support through live chat and email with teams located in New York City, Dublin, and Portland. All of Squarespace's themes come with responsive design built right in, so it's going to look fantastic on any and all devices. And every single Squarespace website can enable Squarespace Commerce, which allows you to set up your own online store. You can start a free trial today with no credit card required and start building your website straight away. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure that you use the offer code FEELS, that's F-E-E-L-S, to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Analog. Thank you so much to Squarespace for the support of this show and all of FM. Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. Excellent. So tonight we uh, obviously have our guest, Stephen Hackett, on. And the reason we have Stephen on is because... Mike and I thought it would be interesting to talk about talking about our families and personal lives online. So tonight's subject is what makes someone decide to write about their families online, or perhaps not to write or talk about their families online. And we thought this would be interesting because um, obviously I've talked about some fertility stuff but that Aaron and I have struggled with over over time. And um, in case you're not aware, Stephen's son has some health issues, which we'll get into in a minute. And we thought it would be interesting to just discuss what makes Stephen and I want to talk about these sorts of things. Um, Mike, you seem to keep things a little closer to the vest. Why do you choose to do that? And what are the ramifications of putting some of this stuff out there? So, Stephen, do you want to kind of start us off and tell us about Josiah? Uh, yeah, you bet. Um, and there'll be a, a kind of a smattering of links uh, in the show notes. Uh, the two most well-known pieces are both from uh, from 2011. Uh, so, so, kind of the short the short version is uh, Josiah, who's our oldest son, uh, who's getting ready to be six. Uh, when he was six months old, was diagnosed with a. Uh, a fairly rare form of brain cancer. And we went, um, you know, kind of went to a normal pediatrics appointment and sort of snowballed from there to uh, basically to brain surgery in about three days. Um, I know that sounds dramatic. Like I always feel weird kind of introducing this as a topic, um, but, it, but it is dramatic. So, uh, so we did, we did surgery. We did uh, 18 months of uh of chemotherapy. Uh, he's been treated at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So also in the show notes, um, there'll be a link to St. Jude and uh, a link to a fundraising fundraiser I'm currently doing, which is not the reason I'm on the show today. It just sort of coincides that September is, is actually um, Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. And uh, so he's, he went under treatment and today he's basically more or less a kind of a normal five-year-old, um, but it receives scans every six months 
um, not cancer free, but basically kind of just on watch, um, really for as long as he has, um, you know, that will always be part of his life of, of always seeing doctors, always being checked up on. So you have been very public with this and you talk about it, you, you know, you write about it. How long into, um, Josiah's diagnosis, were you public about it on the internet? Um, basically, uh, immediately, and, and I'll kind of explain explain why. So, um, when we when we first heard about, or you know, first, this first started like coming to light, right? Those first couple of days, basically, I was just sending emails to friends and family, and that very quickly became something that I could not keep up with. Um, and so we just started like a it's quite embarrassing as a nerd, but like started a blog spot blog and just started documenting what was going on. And, um, that's still on the internet. We still update it. That could be in the show notes as well. Um, but it was very much a, not that it was password protected or anything. And there, there are systems like caring birds that are that way. Um, but it was really, it started as, you know, I need to tell a lot of people what's going on because a lot of people are keeping up with us. A lot of people are praying for us. A lot of people are helping us kind of get through life right now. Um, but it sort of evolved past that. Um, but really it took a couple of years before I started writing things on, on, on say five twelve pixels, uh, about it to a, to a broader audience. And what led you to, to go to that route? What led you to want to share it with that much, much broader audience rather than maybe it's not like you said, locked down, but it's certainly, you had it kind of, you know, secure by being obscure? Um, yeah, that's a really great question. There's, there's two links that are they're from 2011 are, are some of the earliest ones. I think there's some that are a little bit earlier. Uh, it, it really started as things that I was writing for myself. And so I, I think like a lot of people uh, process things by writing in a notebook or typing them. And uh, for me, it kind of... A flip switched one day of like, you know what? I think this will, this could help other people. Um, and I think that it's something that helped me as well. That thinking through these thoughts in like something like day one or in a notebook and thinking through them out loud on a, um, on a blog that's read by tens of thousands of people are two very different things. And in some ways, and it, I don't know if it makes any sense to anyone but me, uh, it seemed like a healthier thing for me to do that out in the open. Hmm. That makes that makes total sense to me. How was the reception once you did that? Um, I, I really can say wholeheartedly that anytime I publish anything about this topic, uh, I receive nothing but positive feedback. And I, of course, get a lot of the feedback and it means a ton of, you know, hey, I'm thinking about you guys. Hey, I donated to St. Jude. Hey, I put you on my church's prayer list or whatever. Um, but the the feedback that really sticks with me is I've gotten emails from people of, hey, you know, I lost a child. Hey, I just lost my mom. Um, I got an email from, from one woman. I mean, this was years ago. Uh, she was diagnosed with leukemia as a child and is now, you know, 30-something and is fine. And just shared a little bit of her story with me. And, you know, I, I don't know if she's a regular reader. I don't know if she'll ever hear this or if it was just a drive-by link on Facebook. Uh, but it gave it gives people an opportunity to share their story uh, with me because there there is, and Casey, I think you could probably attest to this with what uh, you and Aaron have dealt with, uh, suffering creates a fraternity of people that mm-hmm. uh, you can identify with and that share, uh, air quote, share your pain. That's a super cheesy line for something that's very, very real. And so anytime I publish anything, write a tweet, anything at all, it is 100% positive. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, What Aaron and I have dealt with is um, Aaron and I had dealt with some infertility issues. And so the kind of quick version is we took a trip actually to England before I ever knew uh, who Mike was. We took a trip to England and Paris in uh, late 2010 thinking that this would be our great last hurrah, and then we would be pregnant in 2011, and then we would have, by now, a three-year-old. And after 2011 came and went, and 2012 came and went, we realized mm, things are just not right. And we spent um, 
a lot of 2013 trying everything we possibly could in order to get pregnant and eventually enlisted the help of a fertility specialist and even then spent nine months um, trying to get pregnant, even with the help of a fertility specialist. And we were extremely lucky insofar as right around the time it was getting to the point of having to consider in vitro fertilization or IVF, which is just an extreme expense, not only financially, but in terms of the things that Aaron would have to go through and all the shots she would have to get and give herself and all of that. And right around that time, uh, it finally stuck and um, Aaron is now pregnant, which we're extremely happy about. But going through that process was extremely hard because we felt very alone. And, and Stephen, I'll ask, I'd like to hear in a second, you know, did, if you felt that way, but for us, none of our friends that we were aware of anyway, were fighting with infertility. And I can't speak for having a child with cancer, but with infertility, it's something you don't really talk about very much. It's not something that comes up often. And so a lot of our friends and family, every time we'd see them is, oh, aren't you pregnant yet? What's wrong with you guys? Well, you should hurry up and have kids. And it was never meant with malice, but unbeknownst to these people hidden b- below our shirts are these gaping holes in our chest. And every time it was, Hey, why don't you have some kids or something? Hurry it up. Um, th- it just like ripped our hearts out because we had been trying so hard and yet we never, we were never able to. Meanwhile, we have, you know, friends or uh, acquaintances that they, the, the man and a woman look at each other and they cough and they're pregnant and it's the most incredible thing. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, um, we, I, I wrote a piece on my website. Um, this was as after Aaron had been pregnant for like two or three months at this point and saying, well, a we're pregnant, but B it is a terrible, awful, disgusting road to go through to get to this point. If you're dealing with infertility And I put it out there, much like what you were saying, saying, Stephen, I put it out there because I needed that release. I needed to get it out of my system. And I honestly kind of expected it would get thrown against the wall on this website that not that many people read, you know, my website, and that would be that. Well, I got a link to it from Marco Arment, and he is, his website is extremely well read. And I actually have in my day one, I have a screenshot of... Um, Safari looking at Google Analytics and looking at darn near 500 people reading that web page simultaneously. And I don't know if that's a lot. It sure feels like a lot. Maybe that's nothing. But to me, it was a tremendous amount of people. And to this day, that one page is, is far and away the most popular page on my site. And the most interesting thing that came of this was I got inundated with email from all these different people all across the whole darn planet saying, oh my God, I'm so glad someone else feels the same way, that this is hard, that you don't like seeing your friends pregnant. I mean, of course you do. You're extremely excited. You're overjoyed for them. But at the same time, it's like, oh my God, again, why can't it be us? And so much feedback from all of these people saying, thank God we're not alone. And it was overwhelming and to this day still overwhelms me how much feedback came of that. And so I wonder, Stephen, is that, is that alone feeling part of what drove you to this, to, to talking about it? Uh, yeah, I think so. And, you know, maybe a little bit different from, from what you guys have been through at St. Jude. And I've written some about St. Jude the last month or so, or last couple of weeks um, with this fundraiser. But there's a, uh, you know, there's a thing at St. Jude where like, I know that you're here because I, <laughs> the same reason I'm here. And, you know, people have stories about that in doctors' waiting rooms uh, and that sort of thing. So there is, uh, there's to a degree a community built up around uh, what we've gone through. But I do think, you know, like you said about, you know, the couple or, you know, people making a joke about, you know, why don't you guys have kids? People stumble into things that they don't know about or they... Uh, don't understand. And it's, it's hard for me and maybe it was hard for you too, that they don't really mean it. And I, I used to, for oh, a yeah. long time, mm-hmm. you know, for a, a long time, I would, I'd have a, you know, friends come to me or I'd overhear something of someone going through a hard time and, and just be so dismissive. Like, you know what, you don't really know what pain is. And, and it, the reality 
that's an extremely uh, selfish and immature response. Um, but it's born out of that, that uh, I think loneliness is a really good way of putting it because it does, you know, like suffering builds that fraternity. It also builds isolation. And, and, you know, there's things that, that Casey, that you and, and your wife have been through that I can't understand because Mary and I have not had that struggle. Um, and, and, and that's true for everybody. Everybody has their thing. It might not be as dramatic as, as what, you know, the, the Lisses and the Hackers have been through. Um, but everybody has that thing that causes them the most pain in their life. And, and the reality is everybody is alone in that to a degree, unless you strike out and have those conversations. And, and for me, just shouting it into the void through an RSS feed was uh, enough to get some of those conversations going. Casey, yeah, I when, completely agree. When, when uh, I have a question for you, Casey, mm-hmm. when um, you, you're saying like, you, you know, you didn't talk about, um, the fertility stuff, you know, whilst you were going through it. Obviously, you didn't talk mm-hmm. about it um, on your blog or anything like that or, or on social media. So sure. when when you got pregnant, why was it okay to talk about it? Like, what? obviously, mm-hmm. obviously, it's, it's ha- you're happy now, right? So it's great. I mean, you, you want to share that. But you're still talking about the things that you weren't talking about before like going through this stuff sure thinking that there could be a problem that you know there might be a problem that but you've been able to overcome it like why are you happy to to talk about it now or why is Aaron also okay with you doing it yeah you know it's a really good question um i think i think the simplest answer is i couldn't call any more attention to it than it already had before we had gotten pregnant And something that we struggled with privately before I ever posted anything to the internet was for the first year or two that we were having these infertility problems, we didn't tell a soul. And maybe it was about a year. And then after about a year, we realized that our parents, and just like you were saying, Stephen, our parents who meant well, you know, were just asked, hey, you know, when are we getting some grandkids? You know, with a huge smile on their face, not knowing that they were just killing us every time they said that we eventually told our parents and you know our siblings as well but then that was basically it for a long time and over time i think it was somewhere around year two we started telling like really close personal friends and that made a big difference because the people we interacted with on a regular basis knew enough to know Mm. that we 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 are going to have kids when Either it's blessed for us to, or science says we're lucky. I mean, I'm not trying to turn this into a religious discussion. I'm just saying whenever it's meant to be, it will be. And I think calling attention to it on the internet prior to us being over that hurdle, I don't know if I could have handled the attention because even well-meaning attention like, oh my God, I'm going through it as well. You're not alone. I'm I'm not sure if I was in the right state of mind. And again, this kind of comes back to what Stephen was saying. I don't know if I was in the right state of mind to accept those kinds of genuine comments that are meant in nothing but a good way. In a I don't know if I could have accepted it in a good way. I think I would have been I would have buried my head in the sand even further. And once we were finally through it, I needed that like I needed that breath after it was all over and I needed to, and this is the cheesiest and most ridiculous analogy, but it's the best way I can think to describe it. I needed to be, um, Michael Clark Duncan, Michael Duncan Clark, I forget his name, but the the gentleman in green mile who like expels the sick. And I'm not going to ruin it if you've not seen the movie, because I don't think that you've seen it, Mike, but, but I needed to like expel that sick and get that emotion out of me. And I felt like putting it on my blog, even if no one read it would be a really, really, really good way to do it. And as it turns out, it very much was. And it was extremely cathartic and and wonderful to get that release. And then doubly so to see so many people positively affected by by me saying, hey, this is something I've dealt with. And a lot of people could say, hey, we are not alone. Green Mile comes up a lot on this show. You you brought the Green Mile up last week. (laughs) That might be your homework, my friend. Oh, yeah, maybe it is. I I think I've only seen seen it once. Um, 
And that makes it that makes a ton of sense, Casey. And it's not it's not cheesy at all because it's you know the the reality is that whatever uh, mechanism that that you put into your life, or that in my case, and we can talk about this, someone else puts in your life to to deal with things like that's not that's not cheesy. That's what it takes to to get through it. And um, mm-hmm. of course, there's a lot of destructive things that can go into that. But, but I think that. You know what? Say that you had had written your post, and and you know those of us who, you know, follow you on Twitter saw it, and that was it. You know, um, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You know, the fact that you wrote it and put it out there—that's the step that makes an impact on your brain, not that yep, you know it, it got tens of thousands of reads. Absolutely, I couldn't have said it better myself. That is completely true. It's tough though, man. It's tough to deal with. And it's so hard because, you know, if you think about it, I think I speak for all three of us in saying that in the grand scheme of things, if you really take stock of all of our lives, we are extremely, extremely, extremely lucky men. And we are, uh, we we are just so blessed to have the, the things that we have. And I don't mean that in a like stuff sense. I just mean, you know, we're both in committed, serious relationships. I have a child on the way. Steven, you also have one on the way and two beautiful children <laughs> yeah, as it is. Like I mean, any day. We're so lucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It might be right now. Uh, yeah. but, but we're so lucky. But man, in the heat of the moment, it is so hard not to get caught up in why am I the only one dealing with or, you know, I, why is our family the only ones having to deal with this? And why? Why isn't that jerk that I see at the, uh, I don't know, at Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever, or Chipotle, why is that jerk at Chipotle? Why does he get to go with his, you know, super happy wife and his super happy kids into a super nice car and go to what is surely his super awesome job? You know, why, why do we have to put up with all this? And it's so hard not to just be miserable about it and getting that thing out there, just like you said, just putting it out there made so much of a difference. Uh, absolutely. And l- let me ask you this. And, and Mike, I, I would like, uh, I know you've been quiet, um, <laughs> but I, I, I like your input to this too, because Mike, you were very much involved with this period of my life. Um, uh, you know, I've, I've also written about, uh, so when you, when you kind of go through something traumatic um, and I would say that those 18 months of, uh, you have a healthy six month old baby and then you have a two two year old who just went under 18 rounds of chemotherapy. That, that's those 18 months were the most, dr- you know, dramatic, most traumatic time in your size five years of treatment. And you kind of, you go through that traumatic time, you come out of it. And I at least forgot kind of how life worked outside of the hospital outside of worrying about treatment and shots and, and all those things. I mean, Casey, I'm sure you guys can relate to that to a degree of, you know, you, mm-hmm. you have this regimen of things you're doing and then you're not doing them anymore. And it's like, huh, yep. even though that stuff really sucked, it became part of just what we do. Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. and, and for me, at least that was really bad. Um, I kind of came up for airs about the time our daughter was born and I just didn't know what to do. And it really, for me, turned in, in a very dark way. And, um, you know, it wasn't a dramatic thing. You know, people think that like depression or um, thinking, you know, wanting to hurt yourself is this big, like grand, uh, grand gesture. And, and for me, it, it wasn't, it was very mundane. It was a very slow descent. Um until I walked in my house one day and I was like, I have to deal with this or like something bad is going to happen. And, um, and again, I took to my site, (laughs) you know, uh, about technology. And I was like, look, you know, I am in therapy. I am on medication. I am doing these things. And, and just like with the, the posts that are cancer specific, um, tons of feedback. I mean, even right now in the chat room, people are talking about their experiences in this and it's, it's, it's a weird thing because at least in the United States, people have a very, um, bad attitude about healthcare or about mental uh, health. I was going to use a word that you'd have to bleep Mike. So 
you can owe me one. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, people, people look at mental health issues and, and including myself, like I'm in this, right. I'm like, Steven, you can just, you can just get over it. Like you can just push through this. You can, you know, you can buck up decide Okay. For now, like you have to man up and take care of your family and go to work and pay the bills. And, and in reality, that's a terrible, terrible thing to say and a terrible thing to think because it, it can be so crippling. Um, and it definitely was for me and it definitely is for a lot of people. And so for me, when I think about, you know, the last five years uh, of, of my life, it, it is a lot of Josiah, but it's a lot of that stuff too. And I was very fortunate that my wife was very understanding and very, uh, supportive and, and gave me the room I needed, but was also on the front lines with me and had friends, uh, both here and abroad, uh, to, to see me through that as well. And I wonder if, if either of the two of you guys have, have had that sort of experience. Yes. So, uh, I, in doing this stuff, so the podcasting, I have a thing that I love to do. So when I have things that get in the way of that, it, can manifest itself in some strange ways. So having a day job that at times I've hated has been a problem for me. So before I worked in marketing, I worked in uh, the retail arm of my company and I hated my job so much. Uh, And that, it just kept getting worse and worse and I felt stuck and it was like, I work so hard and I have this thing that I love. Why can't I just do that instead? And that just continued to get worse and put put itself, put me into a really bad place. Um, and I lost friends and partners because of it. And it was a really, really rough time for me. And... I kind of have since gone backwards and forwards through this type of stuff. Um, And I have never been uh, as affected as you were, Stephen. Um, But I have definitely had emotion get to me in such a way that I would, I think you would class it as depression, you know, like it's just an all encompassing, everything is terrible. I don't want to do any of these things anymore. And it just manifests itself into like being paralyzed in certain situations. Like I would, towards the end of the time working in, in before, before I changed job, uh, I used to go into the office and I used to sit in a room and I used to sit there for eight hours. I just didn't do anything. Um, and it was just this feeling of like, it's just, it's just crippling. Right, and and it was like I felt like I couldn't do anything to get out of it, and everything that I tried to do just made it worse, and like I was getting deeper and deeper and deeper into it. I've got better at being able to deal with it myself. Um, I think I wasn't in a very good relationship at that time. It wasn't helpful for these things, um, but and I don't really want to say more than that actually, uh, but. I've also gotten to the point now where I'm able to not not let things get to me in the way that they used to. I'm able to shut off a, a lot easier from my work life than I think many people are. Um, and there's a there's a great phrase that that I use a lot when I'm in these sort of situations, and it was something that I heard Merlin say once. Um, I don't know. I can't. I know it comes from somewhere else, but but I always remember him saying it, where it was like, it, it's not going to eat you. Which is, yeah. I think, it's just this fantastic phrase, where it's like, no matter how bad this is, it's not going to eat you, and and I really <laughs> get by on that quite a lot. It's so simple, um, but it really helps me a lot you know it's funny it's funny you bring up merlin because something that i heard him say jokingly a handful of times um the first time i met him out in san francisco but is also kind of applicable is the only way out is through and i i I don't think i've gotten 
to as bad a point as you guys have. And, and, and I, don't, I certainly do not mean that dismissively, um, but there are certainly times when it was at least somewhat crippling dealing with all of this and so hard to, you know, do something as silly as like go to somebody's baby shower. It could be my best friend in the world's baby shower, but to put on that happy face for three hours about their child when they've been married less time than, you know, they've, their entire relationship has fit in the time that Aaron and I have been, have been trying to have a child. It's so hard and so crippling, but in the end of the day, the only way out is through. And the only way you can get to get out of this situation is just power through it. Do you think there's an element of jealousy in that? Oh God, yes. There's no doubt, or at least for me, anyway. I can't speak for anyone else, but absolutely. Right. Should we? Um. I. So clearly, I was quiet for a lot of that because I mm-hmm. have a differing viewpoint to you two um, about the openness, the being openness, um, mm-hmm. and I would like to share it, but I would like to take a break first because. We'll change it a little bit. I want to talk about a fantastic sponsor. And this is a company that I love very much. And this is a product that I know that me and Casey really love. So we're kind of just going to talk about it. But I I want to thank Studio Neat for sponsoring uh, this week's episode of Analog. And I want to talk about the Neat Ice Kit. Now, I'll give a very brief overview of what it is. And then Casey can just tell you how much he loves it. So basically, the, the, the neat ice kit is a set of tools that allow you to create the perfect ice for your at-home cocktails. It's basically, it comes in, a, you've got a few different parts. You have a, a mold, an ice mold, a foam insulation that you put around the ice mold, um, a mallet, a chisel, and a, a sack that you can crush ice in. You pour water into the rubber mold. And you put the mold into the foam and you freeze it overnight. And what it does is that the, it does some sort of magic ice science and it basically separates the impurities in the water and it leaves you with half a block of completely clear ice and half a block of cloudy ice, so the remaining. You take the clear ice and you can put that in cocktails. Clearer ice is better for cocktails. It, it melts slower, so it's better for longer drinks. But also the other part of all of this is the process of the creation of the ice. Casey, you are a big fan of the Neat Ice Kit. Yes, very much so. And I actually wrote a post about this, which we'll put in the show notes as well. Um, I did a review of the Neat Ice Kit, sort of, kind of. And just like you said, Mike, you know, I think it's the ceremony behind all of it that just makes me so darn happy. Because when you just go to the ice maker on the fridge and, you know, get a little bit of ice and pour your drink of choice into it, I don't know, there's nothing to it. It's just mechanical and not to say you know it happens all the time but it's still it's just kind of mechanical whereas the ceremony of taking the the mold with the ice in it out of the out of the foam insulation and then unwrapping the mold from the ice block and then if you, if you'd like my tip letting the ice block sit for about 5 minutes to kind of get it a little bit cooled or uh, warmed up and then taking the chisel and the mallet and smacking at the ice and getting it to split in two and then having this just beautiful like two inch by two inch by two inch ice cube that you can sit in your drink and then enjoy your cocktail or juice. It doesn't have to be liquor, you know, juice or milk or whatever, ice, uh, I mean, water. Um, Ice with your ice? Mm. Yeah, ice with your ice. Why not? It will make that other ice look so inferior. Um, But yeah, you know, it's just the ceremony behind it is so cool. And it's, it's kind of a neat party trick, right? You know, if somebody's in the other room and asks for some sort of cocktail, you know, bringing them this perfectly clear piece of ice in 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 with their uh, cocktail glass that that's just so neat. And uh, <laughs> pardon the pun, but um, <laughs> but I, I I'm the worst. But um, I absolutely love it. I think it's the coolest idea. And what I love about Studio Neat and not just the Neat Ice Kit is all of their stuff. While so simple to use. And seemingly so obvious, so much thought goes into it. And uh, Dan Provost and Tom Gerhardt of Studio Neat, they are the nicest darn people in the world. They are so awesome. I I consider them friends of mine. I hope they feel the same way. Um, They're such awesome guys. And all of their stuff is just such amazing, amazingly awesome products. And so I cannot stress enough, it is worth at least checking out. I don't think I need to say more than that. Um. 
I hope not. The neat ice kit is just fantastic. As Casey said, I love the process. It's all about the process. I'm making an old fashioned. It takes amount of time anyway to get it all ready and adding the ice to it is fun. And it's, it's just nice. It, if you're going to take the time to make yourself a nice drink, why not go that little step further and, and have some fancy and fussy ice too? Now, we have a great deal for listeners of Analog. Head over to studioneat.com and enter the code ANALOG, either, either spelling will work, to get 10% off anything you buy at Studio Neat. These guys, as well as making the Neat Ice Kit, they also make awesome products like the Glyph, the Cosmonaut, and many more. Go find out about them and buy them all. I want to thank Studio Neat for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Mike, we were saying before the break that Stephen and I have obviously chosen to kind of put our feelings and our, and our trials and tribulations when it comes especially to health-related things, put that out there. And we, we certainly got some good from it, but that's a very bold and hard choice. You, from what I can tell and from what I know, tend to keep these sorts of things closer to the vest. So I, I was curious to hear you talk about you know what, what makes you approach things that way and after hearing the two of us, do you feel even more so that that's the better approach for you? Do you feel slightly differently now? How do, how do you come down on all this? I think it's worth prefacing that I have so much respect for you both um, for being so open the way that you are. Um, I think that you are able to help so many people. And I mean, I see it, you know, every time... Stephen posts something and Casey, whenever you talk about this sort of stuff and I've, I've seen people react to you and, and it's an incredibly heartwarming thing that I have so much respect for. But just for myself personally, I do not hold these views on anybody else. Um, I just prefer to keep the matters of my family and my loved ones away from the internet. So doing this show... I talk more about this stuff than I ever had before. But most of the things, it's about me. And sometimes, um, if anything, I talk about my girlfriend in these shows. Uh, but if I know a topic is going to come up that affects her, I actually let her know ahead of time to talk to her about it, to see if she's comfortable with it. Um, and I try and do that where I can. If I think something's going to, and I keep it in my head to, to bring it up with her if, if I want to talk about her. Or if I do talk about her, and, and um, I will I, I will say to her after the show, before we put the show out, you know, said this, you're okay with this. But the rest of my family, so my brothers, my mum, my grandparents, my uncle, my aunt, I kind of keep their matters away. I also try not to show uh, a lot of emotion that I feel on the internet about things that are happening in my real life. So say you've had an argument with your spouse, you could very easily just tweet, oh, I'm so angry right now, with no context. But they know what it is, and I try not to do that. So that is how I tend to feel. I don't like to share these things. Now, the interesting thing is I'm now going to be quite hypocritical is that a word? No. <laughs> I don't think hip, so. Hip, no. Hypocritical is something totally different. Uh, Hypocri- hypocritical? Hypocritical. There you go. Different than hypocritical. That, was a, that used to be a podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I'm going to kind of... I, I only want to use this for like just illustrative purposes. So last week, uh, my... Well, was it, last, no, it was a couple of weeks ago, I think. Uh, my grandfather passed away. And I was, we were all very close to my granddad. Um, when my dad left, he was basically like the father figure in our family. Um, he was there for us and, and, and was a very, very important part of our lives. And we lost him a couple of weeks ago. And yesterday, uh, I was at his funeral all day. Um, and I kind of only really mentioned this because it's something that really affects me and I'm affected talking about it now. But that's kind of why. Like, I, that affects my grandmother and my mum and my brothers. And it's all of our thing. And they don't ask for me to share it 
with thousands of people. Um, so I tend not to. Now, I to say, I know I am here, which obviously is contradicting everything that I'm saying. And you can see clearly I'm having a tough time talking about it. But that's why, like, these things are, are my things. And I don't feel like I have to tell them to the world unless I want to for a specific reason. And I, and I think that there's maybe an element of that for everyone, but I don't feel the need or I don't, feel, I don't think I get any good out of it like maybe you two have. Just maybe just something about my personality. And I am not enjoying talking about this right now. Like I am not. This is not something that I'm having a lot of fun <laughs> talking about. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it doesn't add anything to me. Like I think it does for you guys. I mean, so I I don't really have a lot more to say. I don't know if you guys have anything else like to to ask me about that. I, I mean, I would say that that's incredibly honest of you and and brave to say that because it you know, people deal with things things differently. And I would agree that I'm not so much this way in real life. Um, it's easy for me to hide behind, you know, my Twitter account and my website and like write something and read emails. Um, because it is hard to talk about things, uh, for me as well in, in person. And so I, I play to my introvert, uh, when I do that online to a degree. Um, and, and I would say that, and I'm sure Casey's the same way. It is, I, I am very selective. Um, I don't, sh- there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that I don't share about Josiah and his health. There are a lot of things about me and my relationship with my wife that I don't share. The, the things that I share are very calculated. Um, and I would think, I think now more so than ever um, because my, my kids are getting older uh, because uh, not to sound like a, uh, douchebag, but like a lot more people read my site than they did five years ago. And, uh, so I am increasingly aware of a larger audience and, and that makes me pull back a little bit. Um, cause you know, the, the reality is like there are downsides to sharing and you guys spoke about this, uh, I think last week or a couple weeks ago, uh, on this show of, you know, sometimes that can create awkward situations where, you know, someone is sort of interjecting into a conversation or into a situation that uh, not necessarily inappropriate, but maybe just doesn't sit well. And um, I haven't ever had that happen around this stuff, but uh, I'm fearful that it could. And so sometimes I do, uh, you know, I've got blog posts that I, you know, three or four years ago I would have published on my site and they just live in day one now. Uh, because of that sort of balance that I feel like I have to walk. Yeah, it's it's a really tough thing. And, you know, again, not to sound self-obsessed, but once you have some modicum of an audience, it makes you not retreat, but it makes it makes me want to hold things closer to the vest. And And I completely conceptually understand Mike, why you would want to do that. And there are just like Steven said, a plethora of things that I deal with and that Aaron and I as a family unit deal with that no one is probably ever going to hear about. And that's also healthy. It's just funny that the way in which Stephen and I tend to deal with a certain aspect of our lives tends to be similar. Yet I think all three of us agree that many aspects of our lives we treat the same way that you do, Mike, in, in keeping it out of the public eye and, and and keep it to ourselves. Like I forget which one of you just said this. I think it was Mike. But one of the most distasteful things that I see online, either on Twitter or on Facebook, is somebody either implicitly um, or explicitly slandering their spouse or loved one, yeah. like you know, subtweeting a, 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 their significant other. I just think is the most childish and terrible thing that I see online, and I see it kind of a lot. And that's, I mean, maybe that's how some people work, but goodness, that's not how I approach. You know, when Aaron and I have a spat, which because we're two human beings, happens from time to time. 
Uh, I, I just, I don't get that. And certainly, Mike, it seems like you don't really get that either. <laughs> so this is the thing, like, you mentioned about, like, um, having a modicum of, of, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you would use the word celebrity, but I'm just going to go with that anyway. Um, because I think I, well, no, I used to be like that. Like, I used to do the, the subtweeting. I mean, obviously, I was much younger. Um, but it was when I started to try and make a name for myself in public was when I started to think about do I want people um, in the real world to find these things that I say like when they're not going to understand like I think about like people in my family and they, they struggle enough to understand this stuff anyway so what then I'm also sharing their information like or their their feelings like it's a i don't know it's just something yeah. that i struggle with like to to, to do mm-hmm. like it's it's difficult for me yeah it's funny too because there are so many times that i'll compose like a tweet or occasionally like a facebook status saying oh god i cannot believe that what happened today happened today period and it's like as soon as I write that, I do feel slightly better, but I never ever hit send because I think to myself, oh my God, just, all you're doing is begging for people to be like, oh, what's wrong? Oh, what's bothering you? And like, just, oh, don't be that guy, Casey. Don't do that. And God, it's so hard though. And it's so hard not to because I want people to be like, oh, it'll be okay. Don't worry about it, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know. One thing I've wondered, and, and Stephen, I'd be very curious to hear your perspective on this. And Mike, you kind of just touched on it a second ago. How does How does like your wife and how does your um, not immediate family, so like your parents or or perhaps grandparents or aunts and uncles, how do they deal with your, and again, we're using this with like humongous air quotes, but how do they deal with your celebrity, especially around things with Josiah? Uh, It's, so we'll we'll start with with my spouse, with my wife, Mary. Um, she reads anything that I post about or that I want to post about this. Um, I, you know, reads will, it, reads it before you post it or after you post it yes. or either or. Yeah. And she has never said, Hey, you should change something. Um, but I want her to, to know what I'm, what I'm putting out into the world. And, you know, as far as like celebrity on the whole, again, giant, giant air quotes, um, she's kind of gotten used to it. You know, she has, earn some Twitter followers and, you know, people will kind of chime in, you know, if we're joking on Twitter, um, I think it weirds her out to a degree, but I think she knows that I would not, uh, step on her toes in public, um, uh, over any of this stuff outside of her, uh, you know, my parents, or at least, you know, know that I have a website. I think they have even visited it. But it's not <laughs> I sort of down I sort of downplay it, not to be dishonest. Um, like my parents know that Mike and I started a business together, you know, that that you know, we're business partners in this thing called a podcast network and w- they don't know all the ins and outs of what that means. Um heck I don't even know if Mike and I do. Mm-mm. But <laughs> it's uh, Yeah. Um and, and that's not again, that's not to be dishonest, but that's sort of to like Selfishly, I want to avoid the awkwardness of like, oh, you sit and talk to three guys about computers for two hours a week and you make money. On, how do you make money on that? And, and and especially with the Josiah stuff, like I don't I don't want to have that conversation with my like great aunt about why I sometimes blog about my son. And so I just don't bring it up and they're not aware of it or if they are aware of it, they don't bring it up. And, and that's like terrible and like. I don't mean it as like sweeping under the rug, but it's, I try to keep my internet life and my, you know, meat space life separate. At my old job, I had to, to a degree. Uh, that's much less true now. But, you know, part of it for a long time was just like my employer, like my direct boss knew that I had a podcast, but like my employer as a corporation did not. And, it was just more convenient to sort of fly under the radar with some of that stuff. And, and so I've just kind of continued that to a degree. Yeah, it's, it's a very tough thing. And, and I think to some degree, Aaron um, understands it, but also doesn't all at the same time. I think more than, more than not, she does understand, although she doesn't get, 
she she knows that she wouldn't receive the same relief by posting what I did about our infertility issues. Um, I, I, she doesn't get that relief by telling the internet. She gets that relief by talking to me or by talking to our parents or by talking to dear friends of hers. And in a lot of ways, I'm very jealous of that. And I wish I was more like that. And And it's kind of weird that to some degree, I need to tell strangers to get it off my chest. And Raytig in the chat said, sometimes the people closest to us can be the hardest people to tell about things, even when we ought to. It can be easier and cathartic to tell strangers online. And I think he or she, I believe we established this in a past show, but he or she is right. And um, I, I, sometimes it's nice to just throw that into the world and get that. But, but certainly Aaron doesn't operate that way. My family doesn't operate that way. Like, um, my immediate family is on Facebook, but none of them really use Twitter or Tumblr or anything along those lines. None of them have ever had a blog or anything like that. It's for whatever reason, it's something this throwing the stuff into the ether has always attracted me. My family doesn't really feel the same way, but I'm very lucky in that they're very, they're very supportive. And just like you said, Stephen, about you know, giving Mary a fly. And actually, Mike, you said this as well about your girlfriend, you know, giving them a flyby and saying, hey, I would really like to post this thing. Is this okay? And so when I posted that, the, the post that I called finally, where we announced that we were pregnant, I sent that to Aaron first, slightly because she's a really good editor, but mostly because I wanted her to see it and know what it was that she's kind of signing up for if I release it. And she, again, just like you were saying, Stephen, it was, was really supportive and was said, you know what, I don't know that this is something that I would do, but I understand that this is something that you feel like you need to do. And I hope that doesn't sound condescending because that's not the way she said it at all. And she said, you know, if this would make you feel better, then gosh, I want you to do it. You need to do it so you'll feel better. And as it turns out, it's kind of made both of us feel better because I've, you know, sent her, like forwarded her all of this amazing feedback that I've gotten on that post. And it's made us feel better to know that, you know, yes, we're through it almost all the way now, but man, all that suffering we were doing, we didn't know other people were suffering, but we weren't suffering alone. And it's just made a wonderful, huge difference. And we got real, some serious stuff. Um, I guess the last thing is about when when you when you are open like this, you encourage a little bit for people to pry into your life. I think this is normal. Um, if you talk about girlfriend, wife, people are interested. Who is Casey Liss's wife? And they may Google such mm-hmm. a thing. And mm-hmm. and Stephen, you mentioned about how Mary has picked up some Twitter followers via you. Um, this is a the key decision that I call my girlfriend my girlfriend. She's I I don't want to subject her to this just yet. Uh, I was actually talking to her <laughs> about this uh, over the. Uh, yes, uh, yesterday actually when I was talking about this episode um, and I was saying about how I continue to refer to her as my girlfriend so as not yet to bring that to her um, not that I'm you know people aren't going to go and root for her trash but it's just it. it's fine when she looks at me and sees that I do this thing I think it's very different when it even one, two, three people starts to happen to you I think that there's a, you know, that there starts to be a different, it it just starts to make it real. And I think that that can be a strange thing to happen. So I just keep her away from it for now. Um, But eventually, um, I would actually like to have her on this show, which is something that I said to you, Casey, a couple of days ago. I don't know if you thought I was joking. But I think it would be really... <laughs> I would very much like to have her here to talk about something that is in relation to the things that we talk about. But mm-hmm. have you guys... have As you have been open about your better halves um, and or your other family members, have you found 
any or have they found any strangeness in that like it as i say becomes real to them yeah i think so um you and you already kind of touched on or i'm sorry steven did um when i started to gain some amount of fame by way of neutral and then atp i would occasionally you know write a tweet that included aaron's twitter handle in it and when i did that much like when, you know, like a Marco or a John tweets about you, it ends up that I'll usually kind of throw her a few Twitter followers, so to speak. And in the beginning when that happens, and under, also understand that Erin is a very, um, she's not a very uh, active Twitter user insofar as she doesn't post very frequently. She reads it relatively often, but doesn't post a lot. And so when she would get like a handful of followers after I tweeted about her, she found that extremely peculiar and I don't know if I should say creepy, but whatever like the much, much lighter form of creepy is that in, you know, because here's these people like to her, you know, why are these people? I don't know following me. I'm just me. What do I have to say? And again, I don't, I mean, I think Aaron has tons to say, but, but to her, it just didn't seem to make sense. And I think that's something that she still, not wrestles with because that sounds way more dramatic than I mean, but something that she's still like, hmm, it's weird that somebody who likes you and the things you do wants to pay attention to me and the things that I do. And I don't think that's bad. And, but it's something that, you know, in a lot of ways, she got signed up to be along for this ride, whether she liked it or not. And of course, she's been hugely supportive of it, extremely supportive, but it has some. It, it it affects her, and that isn't something that she necessarily would have chosen for herself. And and gosh, uh, you know, Stephen, I got to assume that Mary feels very similarly. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, good talk. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you said it very well, and I agree. <laughs> fair enough. All right, any uh, any final parting thoughts, gentlemen? Let's let's start with you, Stephen. Anything else you'd like to get off your chest? Any other feels you'd like to discuss? I mean, I w- I would just say to people who come across this, um, like like I said before, my big takeaway from a lot of time talking to a lot of people smarter than I am is that you. You don't have, you know, hard hard stuff in life does not have to be um, big and traumatic and involve hospitals or involve airplane crashes or um, that sort of thing. That when life hands you something crappy, it doesn't matter what your neighbor got handed. And if it's on the surface more or less crappy um because the like i said the reality is that we all have something in our life that is the hardest thing we've ever done and to to this day i have friends who will you know tell me about you know how they're you know they didn't get a lot of sleep because their two-year-old has a cold and then apologize profusely of like oh god it's nothing like what you guys have been through and and every time like you know what that doesn't matter like it's scary when your two-year-old has a has a fever so high you have to go to the hospital. You know what? That's that's scary, and that's a serious thing. And if that's the scariest or most serious thing you've had to deal with as a parent, then who am I to step into that and say that it's not as real or as hard as what what my wife and I have been through? Um, so I would say that you should love your neighbor and that you should be supportive even if you can't understand someone's pain or relate to their suffering directly you know we all have those things and and if you are in that situation and and you do feel like i felt for a long time where you know i can't do this i can't face the day i'm going to go drive around the interstate all day instead of going to work um i'm going to go you know uh sit and uh, by myself in a restaurant for two hours and not eat and not talk to anybody because that's all I can do. You know what? If you're in that situation, um, you are not alone in that. And um, find uh, the courage is within you to find somebody 
um, and as crippling and as dark as life can be, there is always, always someone to provide hope. And um, you can take that from me as, as someone who has been there, who has stared at the ceiling for weeks on end without sleeping, not knowing how they're going to get through the next few days or next few weeks. And, and so I would, I would implore you to, uh, you know, it's scary. It's hard. It's terrifying to, to reach out to someone. I was so afraid that when I came home to, to, you know, finally say something um, to my wife um, because honestly I was very good at hiding it. Um, I was so afraid that she wouldn't understand and she did. And my friends understood and my, my family members understood people will meet you where you are if you let them in. And so I would just, I would say, please let them in. And um, you don't have to be alone in any of this stuff. Uh, I don't think I could say it any better. If you'd like to find the show notes for this week's episode, uh, please go to relay.fm slash analog slash five. Stephen, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for being so honest as you always are about these things it's uh it's it, i know it means a lot to me and i'm sure it would mean a lot to, to many other people listening too so thank you absolutely think, yep thank you Stephen. and casey mr casey Liss, thank you so much as always oh thank you mike and uh, i know it took a lot for you to share that stuff uh about your family so um no i, I really appreciate the two of you doing this with me and um and I assure the listeners that uh, next week it's not going to be quite so heavy, but this is something that means a whole lot to all three of us. And so if you, if you've, if you've lasted this long, uh, I know it, it means a lot to us that you've stuck it, stuck it, stuck it out with us. Steven, where can we find you on the internet? Um, you can find me on my website at five twelve pixels.net or on Twitter at ISMH. Um, if you want to get in touch, uh, there's an email link on that on that 512 page. Uh, please don't hesitate. And if you want to find me online, I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I host many shows here on Relay FM. And Mr. Casey Liss is, is C-A-S-E-Y-L-I-S-S on Twitter, um, and he also has his own blog. <laughs> is it CaseyLiss.com, your blog? That's correct. Yeah, CaseyLiss.com. Mm-hmm. Right, thank you so much uh, for listening. We do have a very incredible and active uh, and fantastic chat room during this show. Um, they have been today even more so than usual. So you should go to uh, relay.fm slash schedule and uh, you'll be able to find when we record live. It's typically Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Um, but the schedule's a bit funky over the next week or two thank you all for listening to this week's episode of analog we welcome your feedback as always uh, go to our show notes page and you have to find all the links you need there until next time bye bye <laughs>